Excellent. I'm going to have a week off. I'm not speaking this morning. We have Pastor Melvin. If you put your hands together, welcome Pastor Melvin speaking this morning. I believe he has a word from God for us. Amen. Well, this morning I'm going to share something that I've already done before. I have spoken and I preached this sermon before. And of course, the pastor asked me to preach again, maybe. There's somebody out there needs this, to hear this word. And uh, for those who've already heard it, I hope it's not going to be boring. The Holy Spirit can take and give you something new. But when the pastor asked me, I was obedient to say, yes, I'll preach on what you say and what you want me to do, preach. Simply because he wears a mantle. And the mantle is that he is the pastor. And I, maybe his father, but the fact remains is I still have to submit to him because he represents God. And I have to honor him. If I cannot honor him, I cannot say that I can honor God because he represents God and does what God has called him to do. And therefore, I must be obedient to what he wants me to share or what he wants me to do because I believe that I'm here just like anybody else as a believer. Maybe in my house is my son, but here I'm just another believer. And so when he said you speak on the same subject, same topic, I said, yes, sir. And so this morning, I want to share with you the title of my message is The Circle of Security. The circle of security. Why I say circle? Because the circle never ends. The meaning of security means untroubled by danger or fear, safe, reliable, cannot fail. You know, when you find this out today, there is nothing today that is safe in our world. Everything that could be shaken, everything that could be failing, is failing. And so we want to feel secure. Now, you can see what is happening in our world, and I don't want to emphasize on anything, but every one of you could see what's happening in our world. And it is one chaotic world we live in. And there are a lot of people are very insecure and fearful of what is going to happen next. But thank God that we are Christians and know the Lord and we don't need to be fearful. And so if you want to look at this security... You can look at it as a feeling, as a fact, or as truth. For example, if you look at it as a feeling, 
you're in this building and suppose it starts raining heavily, you could feel secure because you are in this building and you are not going to get wet. No matter how heavy it rains, you're not going to get wet. But the fact, if you want to look at it, is you could have millions of dollars in the bank and you feel secure because you got a lot of money in the bank. But the fact is also that they can call you and say, the bank is collapsed and therefore you lost your money. Now, it's happened in America lately, a bank just went bankrupt. And many people lost money. But the truth is, the only place where you could be secure is in God. That's the place we could be secure. My friends, where is your security this morning? Where is your security? Because David found his, secure, his security in God. And that is why he could write Psalm 23. He writes Psalm 23 because his security was not in anything else but in God. So what was he saying here, friends? You've got to understand, as you read Psalm 23, you know, you can find out David's heart as to what he's trying to get at. So you've got to understand that David, of course, now, his background that he is the king anointed, but the one that was sitting on the throne was Saul, and he wanted to destroy King David. But now David had to run for his life, so he starts running. So if you got to talk about pressure, stress, anxiety, fear, in all these things, <coughs> he found himself in, fearful of his own life. So he now is running, running, and under that pressure, under that pain, under that real suffering that he was going through, that he had to run from place to place, he comes to a point of writing Psalm 23 and verse 1, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. What did he mean by that? What did he mean by, I, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. I shall not lack. See, we can assume that he's talking about the three basic needs of every human being. And that is food, clothes, and shelter. Now, we all work, we go to work, we, we do it. Whatever job we do for these three basic needs, food, clothes, and shelter. Every one of us need it, and if we don't have food, clothes, and shelter, we cease to exist. We cannot. If you don't have shelter, you'll be on the roads. If you don't have food, you'll starve to death. You can't walk around without any clothes. So you have to spend your time in working for food, clothes, and shelter. But I believe that David was not talking about this. 
Why? Because whatever David needed, he got. There was a time when he said, oh, that I could drink out of the waters of Bethlehem. And so his men risked their lives and go and bring water. In 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 15 and 17, they go and bring the water and give it to David. There was a time when he was hungry, he goes into the synagogue and has the showbread. So <coughs> David was not talking about food, clothes, and shelter. <coughs> so what was he saying? That I shall not lack. Friends, no matter how tough it gets on the outside, what you need is the peace of God on the inside. I believe that that's what God, that's what David was saying. I lack no, nothing, because I have the peace of God. No matter what happens on the outside, he was really tormented on the outside. He was running. Anytime Saul could have caught up with him and slaughtered him, put him to death. But he knew that, and he was so challenged with the fact that I don't care what's going to happen to me because I have the peace of God in me. And that is what we as Christians must always have within us, the peace of God. The peace of God. And some people, you know, let me tell you something. They, they, they talk about, you know, you know, the joy of the Lord, you know, is our strength, friends. And some people rely, you know, and they say, you know, happiness. Oh, I want to be happy. Happiness comes from happenings. You, become, you, get, you get a million dollars, you're very happy. But once your million dollars is over, it's over. Your happiness is over. But joy comes from God. No matter what happens, you have the joy of the Lord. And so we have to conclude and say the very basic needs, my friends, comes from God. He says in Matthew chapter 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. Nothing will be held from you. You will have every single need be met. And clearly, the psalmist David realized that was, he says, when I was young and now I'm old, I've never seen the righteous beg bread. And so clearly we know that the lack that is, I shall not want is the lack that he will never have but the peace of God in his life, no matter what's happening outside. The second thing he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. As we know, the sheep are very, very timid animals. They, not, <clears throat> they will not lie down if they know the wolf is around. And because the shepherd watches and takes care as they lie down, <coughs> Being full, they can rest. They can rest on the green pastures, knowing that there is abundance. They are full of food. The shepherd is looking after them. And there is abundance for tomorrow. And therefore, they sleep, knowing that the wolf cannot come near a night. They cannot come. Because he 
my friends, provides for them. And you must understand that the green pastures were very difficult to come at that time in a desert land. It was dry and it was a desert land. And here he is saying, he makes me lie down in green pastures. What is he saying here? He's saying no matter what happens, he will provide your need. He will give to you what you need. And of course, there are conditions. But if you follow those conditions, there's no time where you will ever lack anything, even in a desert land. And what a desert land is the period of dryness that you go through sometimes. As Christians, we go through a dry period. But even in that dry period, God will provide your need. No matter how tough, no matter how sad, he will provide every need. Amen? And that's why, then it says, he leads me beside still waters. Because the waters would gush down and the noise is too much for the sheep Therefore, they fear to go and try to drink. So what the shepherd does, because of the noise, he comes and he digs a hole and makes a big hole. And then what happens? He allows the water to get into the hole and the sheep would come around and drink the water. And therefore, it says, he leads me beside still waters. You know, the, the things... The gushes of life, or the water that gushes is, you know, the so much, the trials, the problems, the difficulties that you as a Christian face, the comfort of the Holy Spirit is there. What does water represent? The Holy Spirit. And sometimes you can get overwhelmed with situations that are happening around you, and you are fearful about what's going to take place and you have the thoughts what if what if what if but you have to come to a conclusion realizing that all you got to do is have that drink of the living water i remember when we were pastoring we used to come tired sometimes into the friday meeting and when we start praying and we start worshiping God, my friend, we'll feel totally renewed, fire up ourselves, and ready to face whatever comes before us. And I want to tell you something. If you are going through a hard time, the best place to be is in church because there is a corporate anointing here. And I'll tell you, no matter how the burden, the pain, whatever you're going through, the trial, you are going to go you're going through, when you get out from here, you will feel so refreshed. That's why the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And they will fly like eagles. So you need to come and you need to be able to say, God, I want to be in your presence. This is where you need to be. In all my life, we've been in church. And I know that when you come to church... Whatever happens, the pain, the suffering, whatever happens, 
you feel refreshed. You feel refreshed. Because God comes through. This is the place. This is the place, friends. If you say, I'm, I'm going through a terrible trial, I, trial, I'm going through sickness, I'm going through, come, come. We have a faithful lady here. She's not well. She could have sat back and said, oh, I'm not feeling well, but she's here. You know why? Trusting God for healing. Trusting God for healing. Amen. And so, we need to be able to know that God will come through. Will come through. And so really, with all that you have going and whatever you are going through, the only source out is Jesus. So, be in in God. He restores my soul. You know, the shepherd comes and he restores our souls. What happens? He literally brings the living water. Previously, too, he says, you got to get to the water. You go there. He refreshes you. The water comes is the power of the Holy Spirit somehow refreshes you. And when you feel refreshed, according to John 4, the woman was at the well and Jesus offers her living water. Now that living water comes into our lives and it refreshes us. It stirs us up and it refreshes us. And my friend, I'll tell you, we need to drink of the living water. We need to go back and say, God, I want to drink of that living water because I need my soul to be refreshed. And many people get tired, even of church, tired of the various things that happen in church life. But my friend, as long as you stay fresh, as long as you depend on the Holy Spirit to keep you fresh. No offenses, no jealousy, no all this rubbish that pull down people. And you don't get a breakthrough. You cannot see what God has in store for you. You cannot see the things that God can do for you. Why? Because you are caught up with the small little things that pull you down. Don't ever bother about what could pull you down. You need to be pressing on and have your soul refreshed. Have your soul refreshed. Have your soul refreshed. He leads me, beside, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Righteousness is simply mean in being in right standing. It's a state. You receive his righteousness. You cannot get more righteous or you cannot get less righteous. You are righteous. But what does it mean he leads me into righteous, you know, for his name's sake? Friends, the Bible says a righteous man's footsteps are ordered by the Lord. Now, you have to realize that God is leading you in the path that you are taking. Because you are his child, 
He's taking you on the path of righteousness. And righteousness means where you will always be in right standing. And sometimes one of your feet may slip and you may have issues to deal with. But you can get up and say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I have done. Forgive me. But you are still on the path of righteousness. And you will continue the journey. And sometimes you may even move out of the righteousness. But I want to challenge you. He still walks with you. He still takes you on that path of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. He brings the glory. He gets the glory and honor. As you keep walking on that path. Walking on that path. And let me tell you. Now the sheep. If they are not put on the right path, you know, they go off. They go off. And they walk, probably get lost. That's why the Bible says when the one gets lost, he has to leave the 99 and go look for the one. So when they get lost, it's a problem, isn't it? So the shepherd has to keep them on the right path. Now, we are sheep, you know that. And we can walk off the path, and we can get caught up with unnecessary things, and we can start finding ourselves in the wrong place and in the wrong time where we shouldn't be. And therefore, praise God and thank God that he comes looking, convicting, and helping us to come back. Come back. In why it says for his name's sake. Because he wants to receive the glory. Because you're his child. He wants to mold you. Shape you. Break you. And make you more like Jesus. But now Satan is not that. When you go to Israel. If you find they say. That if. You know, somebody is pushing the sheep from the back. If you go and ask somebody, who is this man? They will say he's the butcher. What is he doing? He's pushing the sheep to the slaughterhouse. And Satan comes to steal and to, you know, destroy you. But thank God that God comes to be your shepherd. Though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The shepherd will take the sheep, and they've got to go through various cliffs. And sometimes the sheep feet slip, and they drop down. And it's a dark place. The valley is a dark place. And the sheep there are down. And they just don't know what to, you know, they're, it's black, it's dark, it's in a valley. And sometimes we can land up in the valley, and when we are in a valley of pain, a valley of problems, a valley of trials, at that time, you know, Satan comes and he throws the fiery darts, and you become paranoid, you have some sort of a pain, and he cuts trying to convict you, or maybe it's your heart failing. Oh, you know, you have thoughts where, where, you know, Satan is just firing, you know, terrible darts at you when you may think, oh, my God, it's 
what a what a place that I am in. And you're battling all sorts of thoughts and imaginations, and you don't know where to turn. You have got to realize it's just the shadow. It's not the real thing. It's not the real thing. And he would want to come and convict and convince you that you are going to turmoil and you know, paranoia and all sorts of things, you know, will start coming and you just, what if? But you've got to understand, friends, though I walk through the valley of sh the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It's just a shadow. It's just a shadow. It's not the real thing. For you are with me, your staff, you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, these are the two things that a shepherd always has. The rod is a club to keep the wild animals away. It signifies the Holy Spirit helping us. As wild animals come, the club that he uses, he can give it a real it so that the animal will run away because that's what happens as they're going the wolves come and try to take a sheep away but he would defend his sheep for anything and so while the wild animals come he's ready there for them and we in our lives can have the wild animals of lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes. And I'll tell you, young people, there are things that you've got to be careful what you watch. Be careful what you watch. Today we are getting more and more closer to what God is going to do for us. And we cannot, you know, stay back and look at things that don't glorify God. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life always bombard us. Now I can spend an hour there trying to explain what those three things are. But we don't have the time. And the thing is this that we have Satan to come and to highlight these things to us just so that he can distract us. Just so that he can take our focus off God our shepherd. The staff is a big stick that the shepherd will rest upon. That sig signifies the word of God. The word of God, friends, you can rest on the promises of God. You can stand on the promises of God because how much of the word of God you know that you can apply that word in the situation that you're going through? How much of it you know? Because you can stand up against whatever Satan tries to throw at you with the word of God. Do you know where the scripture is? If you need healing, you say, by your stripes, Lord, I'm healed. If you are in a financial situation, you say, God, the Bible says that you will meet all my needs. Stand up with the word of God. Because it's the word of God that will take you through this Christian life. 
It's the word of God. You've got to be able to say, no, I know the word of God. But Christians today don't know God's word. They don't spend enough time in God's word. And this is where we need to get a hold of what God is saying and what God's doing is because we need to have God's word. Need to have God's word in our heart. Signifies God's word. And then you prepare a table before the presence of my enemies. And what happens? The shepherd will go to the field and the sheep are kept one side. And he goes and he knows there are poisonous herbs. There are, weed, there are things that the sheep should not eat. So he goes, he gets everything pulled out. And then he brings the sheep for the sheep to feed. Now let me tell you something, friends. That's what God does for us. Many times, when you are driving, what things could happen on the road? But he's gone before us, and he's cleared the path. And same way, the field that we live in, he has taken out the unwanted things, so that we can keep feeding and keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. The shepherd. And therefore, in front of my enemies, the wolf is always watching. Satan is watching where he could trap us, where he can bring things against us. What he could do in our lives so that we can slip up. He's watching. But you know what? You've got to understand that the Lord is our shepherd. And he clears the path. He clears the path. And therefore he says, he does it in front of my enemies. Then he anoints my head with oil. You know, there is a period of time where the sheep have flies come and sit on their nose and lay, lay their eggs. The larvae become so irritable for these poor sheep, they scrape their nose on the ground till the nose bleeds. And it becomes terrible for the sheep. So what happens is the Lord comes along and or the sheep comes along and he puts oil on the head. So the flies cannot come and sit down to lay their eggs because the oil is covering. Now in our lives, Satan is always shooting fiery darts in our minds. There are things that happen in the mind people cannot understand as to why I go through such terrible thoughts. And sometimes it's so bad. You as a Christian will wonder, how can I think that kind of a thought. How can I? But you've got to understand the fiery darts of Satan is very severe. 
and the oil of the Holy Spirit needs to be smeared on our heads. And that is where he comes and he, uh, we allow him to be taking over our minds and, and allowing us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to lead us. Because I'll tell you sometimes, thoughts that hit you, people can act on it. Remember this. Remember this. Thoughts not spoken die unborn. When you speak your thoughts, you bring life to it. You bring life to it. Oh, maybe, maybe this pain could be something. I, you know, I wonder if I, you know, I have cancer. The cancer's in my family. You know, my dad had this, my mom had this, my father. You speak it if you, if it goes through your mind, it is very dangerous. Never allow Satan and his fiery darts to come near and you, but let the oil of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says that we renew our mind with the word of God. Renew our mind. And so he says, he anoints me with fresh oil. And the sheep, my friends, really begin to gain the fact that the flies cannot come and lay eggs. But my cut run is over. You see, he is now so re rejoicing in what God has done. You know, the cup runs over. It's the joy of the Lord that fills. And then after he talks about being comfortable in God, excited in God, receiving the abundance peace in God, he goes on to say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house forever. You see, the Psalm 23 is the only Psalm that starts on earth and ends up in heaven. Friends, what do we see here? <clears throat> Goodness and mercy will always be in our life. Always. You know, I, 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 I've seen that as long as we've kept the Lord before us, served him faithfully, we've seen that abundant life in our life. We served him, we lived for him. We, I'll tell you, he has blessed us. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, because we start here, we're going to end up in heaven. And because of that, we must live in the light of eternity. Let me tell you something. All that we have, and perhaps we treasure the cars, the houses, this, that, and the other, whatever you have, is all going to fade away. The question you need to ask yourself, when I get to across to the other side, what do I have? What do I have? It's not that God's going to look at us and say, how many souls, how many people, do have you let 5,000, 10,000? No. 
Well done, my good and faithful servant. The little thing that he's called you, perhaps to put the chairs, perhaps to take the offering, whatever, have you done it faithfully? Have you done it faithfully? That is what is going to be accounted to your bank account in heaven as to how faithful you are because every single thing, friends, we do, we must do it in the light of eternity. Because one day, this will be over and we are going to go to the place of where God is prepared for us. Where our shepherd is prepared a home for us. Didn't he say? Don't be troubled. If you believe in God, you believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. You know, I like, I, I don't know many of you, I like the story once of Alexander the Great. He, he was in his peak when he died. But one day they were drinking. He and his general, both of them were drinking. You know, they, with the goblets, they used to drink like, like a binge, drink binging. And they would get so drunk that they could can do nothing. And so he was drinking, and one day he looked at the general and he said, when I die, you bury me like this. And suddenly, very curious, the general turned and said, your majesty, why would you want to be buried like that? He said, to show the world, I've come with nothing, and I'm going with nothing. You know, Alexander the Great, they talk about the three Gs that destroys a man. The glory, the gold, and the girls. He had it all. But he realized he cannot take anything. And this morning, my friend, we cannot take anything other than what we have done for Jesus. And I leave this with you. In conclusion, a jester a man that, you know, who, who was called into this auditorium to perform. And so he was a professional clown and he was there to perform for the people. And so he stood up and he narrated the beautiful 20 Psalm, Psalm 23. And he did it so fantastically. And everybody was silent. They, you could hear a pin drop. There was no sound. And suddenly he looked around. And he challenged the audience. And he said, is there anybody who could recite the 23rd Psalm like me? And one old retired preacher, he got up and he repeated the 23rd Psalm. And everybody was so stunned because he started, they all started crying, crying. And this jester didn't know what to do because they were all crying as the old man preacher repeated the 23rd Psalm. <laughs> and he said, I know the Psalm, but he knows the shepherd. This morning, friends, if there's anybody here who does not know the shepherd, as I hand over to Pastor Kim, he'll probably further take it to ask if there's one person here who does know 
Good shepherd. Now, every time we go to the Word of God, every time we go to Scripture, we're told that Scripture is like a two-edged sword. What is a two-edged sword? It's, uh, it's used surgically. <laughs> it, uh, it cuts. And uh, each one of us have things in our hearts and in our lives that just need to be cut out. And, you know, sometimes to bring healing, true healing, there needs to be some surgical work that's done first. And God does that in our lives when we come to the Word of God. Sometimes when we, I find when someone's preaching, um, I'll get something else <laughs> than what they're preaching about because God works in different ways, in, mater- in mysterious ways. And I don't know if I could get Kent on the keys and... That would be fantastic. I just want to have a moment with you. Um, I don't know if God has spoken to you this morning. In something, in some way. Maybe you're here and you've experienced the presence of God. You've experienced the truth. It would be wrong of me to leave this place without sharing with you the gospel. The gospel is simply this, that all of us have sinned. What does that mean? That means that we've gone against God's way, God's purposes. That's all sin is. Sometimes we think about sin being something huge, which it can be. We think about murderers and uh, bank robbers and so on. But often it can just be a heart that does not honor the God of the universe for who He is, our Creator, our Lord, our Provider. And turning away from that is rebellion. You ask the question, what was so wrong about eating a fruit that God told you not to? It was disobedience. That's all it was. It was rebellion and saying, I will live my life my way, not your way, not how you say it. I will do what I want. And Jesus came and died to take upon all the rebellion upon himself so that we would not pay the price for that rebellion which is eternal separation from God now if you're here this morning and you're and you're in your heart you're saying yeah I need God's forgiveness I need him in my life. I accept, I, I see this rebellion in my heart and, I, and I want, I've done it enough my way. I want to do it His way. I want to lean into what He's calling me to do. With no one looking around, with every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, I want you to do one thing. I want you to place your hand up while no one's looking around. And I want to identify you so I can pray with you after church. If that's you and you're saying, yes, that's me. I want to, I, I want to, I want to give my life to God. I want to follow Him. I want to connect with Him. I want to know who He is. Why don't you just raise your hand up right now. Don't put it down till I see it. Awesome, I see that hand. Is there anyone else? Saying, yeah, I'm, I'm following. Awesome, I see that hand. Is there someone else here? God has spoken to you. You know. You know it in your heart. There's something that is happening right now. 
awesome. God, we just thank you that people have responded to this call. The call to come to Jesus. The call to come home. The call to repent. The call to live a new life. The call to new hope. The call to acceptance of forgiveness and redemption. This morning, today is the day of salvation. And I just thank you, Father, that you've spoken to hearts and they will never be the same again. We honor you and we ask this of you in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Awesome. Guys, don't forget tonight's service. First time we're doing it. Uh, we'd love to have you come along and support. It's going to be fun. It's going to be different. So we'd love to have you. Be blessed. Have a great day. If you place your hand up, please uh, just hang out for me. Uh, if you're new here, we do have a gift pack for you. Our, our host will make sure you get that. Be blessed. Have a great week. And we'll see you next week.